everybody to today's uh, digital masterclass on uh, Tuesday the 19th of October. I don't know what it's like where you live but it's pouring with rain here, very autumnal but you know going to brighten up your day um, with uh, today's masterclass which is all about digital PR and how to place your brand on the largest websites in the world. Um, joining, I'm, I'm Paul Mallet, I'm Managing Partner at MediaWorks and Leeds and joining me today I we have Nikki Powell, who's SEO Director, Christian Sarasola, PR Director, and Johnny Gilpin, who's one of our content strategists. So, uh, as I always say at this point, you're in safe hands. Um, uh, Christian said yesterday that I always like to take a bit of a walk through the woods at the start of these sessions. So, welcome to the beech tree forest that is my mind. Um, so, bit of a, an intro um, to kind of set the scene. So um, uh, it, it's always interesting when, when it, you know, we're going to come on to this a little bit later, but, you know, when we talk about PR and PR, like many other disciplines in the world of marketing, um, you know, has evolved and um, morphed and changed to kind of, um, you, you know, reflect the, the, the modern world that we find ourselves, the digital world that we find our, ourselves in. And, you know, it's fair to say that digital PR is... Um, one of the most powerful marketing disciplines uh, out there because, you know, it combines that kind of power of SEO practices and tactics and SEO thinking with that kind of more traditional approach to PR about generating um, mass interest and mass readership. Um, so it's a very, it's still a very potent way of getting messages out there. But um, not just that, it's going to benefit your whole digital ecosystem. Um, just to kind of sense check, um, you know, 73% of adults now use digital platforms to access uh, their news. Um, and um, if you're an Apple user, I'm not. I mean, I wouldn't even have one in my house, an Apple product in my house to prop the door open, but I'm an Android kid. Um, but if you are an Apple user, um, you'll know, now know that nine out of 10 news outlets share their stories across Apple News. Um, and, you know, it's quite an interesting trend that you've got there about um, getting into news feeds on platform. And, you know, there is the equivalent with Google News on Android, and it's a, a very interesting way of discovering news stories. So, you know, there's innovation happening all the time. Um, I just wanted to do a bit of a quick check. Um, Ofcom um, released uh, 2021 uh, data on news consumption pretty recently, and that tells us that um, BBC One um, uh, gets 62% reach amongst UK adults, which is pretty amazing. But you know, followed by ITV and Facebook. You know, those, those are the big players in news distribution. Um, Channel Four, BBC Radio Two, Radio One coming after that. Um, and, you know, and, and, and then, you know, after ITV and Facebook, you know, you've still got Sky coming in at 36% and um, Mail Online and the Daily Mail group coming in at 30%. So, you know, there's some big players out there that get you big reach. And, you know, today we're, we, you know, we're talking about how we get on those. So, you know, brands and, and businesses, uh, you know, understand how to, how to engage with the media um, how to place content, how to get the right kind of content are going to benefit from brand awareness. Um, 
but also you know pretty substantial increases in your search visibility um you get a t- you get a, a double hit because you're you're on a very popular site so your search visibility goes up um but you also get that seo benefit as well um so yeah that's that's your little wander through the woods for the for the start of this one just to kind of set the scene so I guess um, you know, and, and as per normal, we've we've kind of given ourselves a bit of a structure to walk through. So I'll kind of guide us um, through the path through the forest, through the woods. Do you think this analogy will stop at some point? <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> Hope so. Um, so I guess the first question is: so um, you know, what well, why why are why are traditional media titles remaining relevant? And you know, and how are they remaining relevant in this digital age? So over to you. Christian to take that one to start off with. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, um, I, I think as, as probably you've you, you sort of underlined there in the intro, I think um, that, that they remain relevant purely because of the, the sort of the scale of their, their readerships online now. I mean, um, I, I think, you know, given the sort of the last sort of 18 to 20 months that we've, we've all found ourselves in, that that in itself has, has massively accelerated kind of um, interest in, in, in kind of digital media platforms. So, um, you know, I, I think kind of if you, if you was to account for all of the sort of the major kind of national news titles and, and some of the key regionals as well, what they're reporting is is on average, it's sort of there's a 33% increase in, in new readers online. Um, and, it, you know, it's important to underline, I think, that that's new readers. It's not just kind of existing readers doing it more frequently. They've, they've pulled in a whole new um, audience over over the last eighteen months, um, and, and so that for me is, is is kind of really really important when we're, we're considering kind of you know what we, we might have, have previously thought as, as traditional media types. Because I think from from their point of view as well, it's sort of sometimes putting ourselves in their shoes is is an important thing. You know, they're they're a business as well. They want to um, you know they, they need to be profitable, and, and and sort of for them eyeballs matter. Um, so anything in a in a sort of a you know in a in a PR sense that we can um, offer them um, that that they think you know is going to drive more eyeballs and, and, and more stickability to their site, then that's something that's that's got commercial value to them. They you know they they sell ad space off the back of, of the number of eyeballs. So um, it, it, you know it, it's it's worth always thinking sort of you know what is it what's in it for them uh, essentially. Um, you know, just kind of through through contacts that, that we have here and sort of in our day to day work, we know that you know big big um, you know publishing house like Reach, for instance, um, are, are sort of telling us of almost like reporter league tables of the most viewed article. So you can kind of see where the, the industry is going a little bit in, in terms of that real drive to to sort of um, get get eyeballs on on stories essentially, because that is what commercially they're, they're then going to feed off and when you look at those numbers they're staggering you, you talked about the BBC earlier Paul um, you know just in, in July alone they, they they reported receiving 747 million visits um, in, in in one month um, I know we talked about sort of Daily Mail being big as well it's kind of BBC kind of dwarfs that and you can imagine probably see why they're always at loggerheads with each other but you know Daily Mail is, is sort of in second place and still getting sort of a surplus of 150 visits a month uh, 150 million visits a month and, and so the list goes on that you know they're just enormous numbers and not just right at the top of the tree as well with some of these big big titles big regionals are, are having sort of huge increases as well um, 
it, you know, it, it kind of in, in July, Manchester Evening News was reporting a 30% increase to 30 million visits. Liverpool Echo up 32%. Daily Record, another um, upper quarter to 13 million. So there's, there's, it, it's kind of why are they relevant now? Um, I, I think it's basically because of the fact that they attract so much attention still um, from, from their readerships. Um, just going to just on from what Christian kind of mentioned like it's not obviously just the brand exposure as well it's, there is a lot of SEO value in getting on those websites as well because we recognise that there's a lot of consumers and readers are interacting with those sites on a daily basis but like Google recognises that as well um, and it's that high demand authority site um, is basically giving points back to um, points back to our websites when we're trying to get clients to uh, placed on those so it's it's like a double-headed sword and it's benefiting in both ways whether it be brand exposure or to get those product key links in so yeah it's um it's incredibly valuable i think sorry from that side as well um because papers aren't publishing as many kind of hard physical copies anymore and those they're all coming online now a lot of those sites started with you know very low domain authorities but as their kind of readerships increases, as you know, Christine said, and Paul highlighted all those stats of kind of new people consuming news online, as that kind of traffic's increasing to those sites, the domain authority of those sites is quickly building. So, you know, it's great to get, you know, your, your kind of places, your publications on there. And then it means that the kind of as those sites develop and increase, then so does the kind of quality of your links and, and the kind of content that you've already worked to push out there. So, you know, as more people are going on, domain authorities are increasing and it's kind of all over the network, not just the kind of big hitting ones like the BBC. It's, it's those kind of smaller, more localized ones as well that are really kind of helping and seeing an impact. Uh, I think that that um, stat that you've got that, you know, even, the, you know, the key city regional sites have got an 80 plus domain authority is quite staggering because, um, you know, I think it's easy sometimes to sit here as a consumer of news and um, wonder about the world of Reach PLC and all their various regional websites and, uh, you know, you know uh, but people are reading them and, uh, you know, they're, they're clocking up high domain authority now. So, uh, yeah, it's, and, you know, and where were those sites, you know, five years ago, they didn't really exist. And, you know, so these things are happening and changing quickly and, and being driven by this upsurge in, in uh, the popularity of news sites. Yeah. I think there's um, just to add one more point on that as well I think sort of as marketers I, I, I sort of come from this um, old world where um, I, was, I was once upon a time sat on the other side of the fence as a, as a journalist on a, you know, on a print title and um, having sort of uh, jumped to the other side in, in, into kind of PR and, and, and now looking at kind of how um, how accurately, really, you can start to, to track um, all of this activity. I think it was always sort of traditionally a, a bit of a problem for PR in, in kind of um, accurately measuring what, what you were doing. So, um, you know, in, in, in the old world, we used to sort of look at, you know, average advertising values and things like that, where, where we, we'd be looking at kind of, you know, quite literally taking out a ruler and measuring the column inches of a, of a piece in the paper. It's, you know, we, we've got much more um, visibility on, on kind of, you know, if a, a piece lands on a, a Manchester Evening News or a Daily Mail or a BBC is then watching what, what spikes that creates through to your website. And that, that becomes a really, really important and potent thing. And that's why I think, um, you know, a lot of these media titles are realising that they've, they've, they've got real power um, for, 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 for modern marketing, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, in a previous life, a long time ago, I remember talking to our PR team and they were wondering how you were going to measure equivalent col column inches on a website. 
<laughs> so, we, you know, I, I did ask them to get a ruler out. But they'd have fun with an infinite scrolling page now, wouldn't they? <laughs> um, yes. So they're, they're big, they're growing, um, and, you know, we're saying they've got a big influence. Um, so so all, these big sites should be uh, definitely on our, on our, on our list of, of places to get content and include in our marketing activities. So what are the kind of elements that we should consider when we're kind of trying to, you know, build a plan, build an approach? Um, yeah, I, I, Johnny, I'll, I'll let you get into this one. I'll just say something sort of very quickly, certainly from, I, I guess, that, that sort of with that, that old hat on of, of being a journalist. It was, it was one of the, the first things that got me interested in PR because I was approached by people who clearly didn't understand sort of what I wanted to write about and where I was located in the country. So um, my, my frustration with PR was what actually got me into, into the industry um, in, in, in the first instance. So I, I think kind of the key thing is, is sort of understand what these media um, titles want. Um, you know, they, they've got a ton of sections now, various different writers, um, you know, some of them will have various political leanings. And so dependent on what your subject matter is, you know, you, you might find that, um, you know, one particular side of, a, of an argument is going to land a lot better than, than another. So um, really, really sort of trying to, to, to get to grips with, with kind of what they're writing about and when is a really important thing. You know, as a, I guess as a team on, on, on PR, we, we, we sort of, I make it my business and the team's business to devour as much of the news as we can, sort of, you know, definitely every morning and then sort of throughout the day and, and through the weekend as well. You just sort of understanding what's setting the agenda for, for that day or, or, or days to come and, and where then can we start to develop, um, you know, ideas, opportunities and thought leadership, you know, commentary and things that, that will get our clients involved in those subjects, in those subject matters. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's sort of, um, you know, no good sort of approaching the journalists now wanting to sort of talk about, your, you know, your successful summer sales when, when all they want to know is, is really, you know, is your, is your toy going to be on the shelves this Christmas? So it, it, that, that sort of thing about understanding kind of the rhythms of the media, I think, is a really, really important thing. Sorry, Johnny. Just, no. just before we go on, Johnny, just, 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 just gonna, I'm going to go slightly off piece a minute. What, what, what percent? You, you, like you say, you were devouring the news every morning. I, I, I kind of like to play a little game sometimes of going like, which, which of these is PR and which is actual journalism. So has someone <laughs> gone and investigated it? What, what percentage do you, just off the top of your head, do you think of your, your average news intake of a morning is actually driven through PR sources? I, I crumbs existential questions, Paul. Um, I, you know, you could go right to the top of the tree and 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 sort of go back to you know even the the the, the Blair years and, and Alistair Campbell when you, you start looking at kind of even how the government will, will you know will spin various kind of angles and how they deliver news. I, you, you could make an argument that um, everything we read has has had some sort of. Um, you know, PR consideration to it, right from from the very top all the way down. Um, I, it, you know, that, that's a tough thing. Is is uh, it, it's, it's strange. There's always been a, a sort of a relatively uneasy alliance, I think, between sort of PR and, and, and journalism, um, in that they all sort of say we we don't need you. Um, I think if we were to switch our um, engines off completely as an industry, um, they'd, they'd they'd soon find out that they they maybe need this more than they think. Yeah, the the Daily Express would be a very lonely place. <laughs> so back over to you, Johnny. So uh, yeah, how, how do how do we how do we go about getting into this? 
getting into those titles. So obviously, like we've had this discussion many times with me and Christian were chatting about it yesterday, and there's no like there's no particular formula, there's no special formula of how to get into these titles because if we knew it realistically, we'd probably all be well, we'd all either be very happy or out of a job. <laughs> but like there is a number of different ingredients that like we try and apply um in order to in order to at least get an open from an editor and hopefully hopefully get published in their uh, publications. One of which being um obviously relevancy. And if the story's not relevant and it's well it's not gonna it's not gonna land. Realistically these editors are getting a thousand, if not two thousand, three thousand emails every day. Um so you need to be thinking about what's coming up. Obviously Christmas is a big one at the minute. We know from the second week of November barely any other, um, unless there's a, a major event takes place, like nothing's really going to be landing unless it has some form of Christmas element in regards to it. Then obviously you need to be thinking about like your sporting events, like the, the summer was absolutely engulfed by stories regarding um, the Euros, the Olympics. And then it's kind of the reactions to them as well. Um, it was another, um, another thing we were actually discussing um, regarding the Newcastle takeover two weeks ago. Um, obviously the massive stories um, in regard to that were all around how fans are reacting to it. We've seen the likes of the Geordie superstar Sam Fender, he arrived down um, to sing a song to the fans outside. It was all obviously in regards to the reaction in that. Um, and then obviously you need to be thinking about your deadlines too. So realistically, if it's coming into our autumn-winter series, if we're working with fashion clients, we know if it's coming into the autumn-winter, we need to be thinking well in advance of how we're going to be able to do that and how we're going to be able to make those stories relevant in order to gain our SEO value, in order to obviously land in these um, land in these publications. Um, and we need to be thinking, yeah, as I said, it needs to be well in advance, but it needs to be with, and probably our main thing we've recognised over the past couple of years is it needs to have a lot of data involved in it. And it's those it's those data points that are really making it a success. And um, we find that, like, a rich, particularly going back to reach, as you've mentioned, Paul, um, in order to get an open from a reach editor, you need to be you need to be including some form of data in the title, and there needs to be a, that shock factor. So the big reveals, um, whether it's Brits are losing X amount of sleep every year in relation to X, Y, or Z, or whether it's a monetary value, we know that that will that will get the open because it has that shock factor. We've had a lot of success. Um, in the past in regards to like Christmas markets it had that data data aspect to it it had relevancy it was obviously very timely um, stuff with um, one of our one of our clients Mele um, basically we'd looked at household chores and the first time we put it out this is why we obviously have a, a multiple um, pronged approach to outreach where we won't just do it once we'll do it again and keep trying to find that um, find that relevancy um, and find when it's going to work. And the first time we pushed it out in regards to household chores, it, it, it plummeted. That nothing, nothing really happened. The guys took a look again and found another period where it was there was a bit of conversation in regards to social, and it ended up getting like 50, 60 links and all high domain authority sites. So, yeah, that's that's all you really need to be doing. As I said, there's no there's no specific um, special formula, but like if you've got the data there, you've got the you've got the relevancy, and if it's timely, you're you're hopefully gearing yourself towards success. Yeah, and I think I I, I do think it's interesting that there's kind of like I, I don't I, I mean I might be talking about turn again as well, but you never mind. Um, you know, d journalists don't have time to be compiling all that data, so you're doing them a massive favour by doing that. You're giving them an angle on something, and I think the other thing to remember is there's probably you know, there's not many things that aren't 
aren't too detailed. You know, like thinking about cultural um, moments, you know, it's got the Bond film, you know, the number of people that will have looked for where all the locations are, you know, and so someone putting that story together, great. Now, it might be the, the, the movie you know, company has done that already. But there are always angles to unpick that could be more locally relevant or more skewed to, to you know, a particular readership and audience. It might be about gender, it might be about age, whatever, you know. So, um, and it, and, it, and it's always thinking like, yeah, we're, we're helping the journalists do a better job, which in turn is going to drive eyeballs to their website, which um, keeps everyone happy. So, you know, get all that right. And it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, did, did you want to add anything else in about um, content, Johnny? I mean, I kind of crashed out a little bit with some thinking about target audiences or regional stuff. I suppose the I suppose the only other thing you can really think about is the different style of content you're going to be um, you're going to be taking, and this is something we obviously try to um, differentiate quite a lot. Like you can take that data led approach; it can be a thought leadership style article, it could be an infographic, it could be a video. Um, it really depends on kind of the publication you're going after, where you're looking to get it placed, and obviously you need to be thinking about the consumer as well. That's why all of the strategies that we produce is all backed up by research, and. It's, it's based on audience profiling from YouGov. Um, I know you'll have used a lot of it in the past, Paul, but like it tells you an awful lot about the type of person you're looking to go after and obviously the type of type of content they like to consume. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, it's amazing how quickly those ideas um, then start galvanizing. And like you said, Scott, it's, it's always a combination of, you know, kind of what's current, what you know is coming up, and then kind of bigger trends that kind of wash around, you know. So, you know, like there's a lot of that going on at the moment with climate or sustainability or mental health or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, the, something's going to be a bit more perennial. Um, the next thing I wanted to get on to, um, which um, I think is really interesting because traditionally in PR, like we said, you're measuring it by the, basically the number of eyeballs that you've got on, on your article. So it's did loads of people read it and has that impacted my brand my product or my service positively but I guess the the interesting thing with that is that that's actually quite a quite a short thing I mean some articles might linger around for a while but actually from a digital PR sense the real high value return is in getting links because that is going to stay there forever when once people have stopped re reading that story that link's still there and Google still knows it's there so um and I guess any, anybody that's worked in, in this area um, knows that you might run up against an editor that says we have a no backlink policy or, you know, why should I? So, Nikki, point, point us in the right direction about how to persuade people to give us links. I think it's becoming, you're right in what you're saying, it's becoming increasingly harder and harder to get those backlinks in place. I think, you know, Google's put a lot of scare amongst people um, when they're, you know, writing for their websites or, you know, the big publications to say that they could potentially be penalised if they're linking back. Um, so the most important thing is just around relevance and what you're writing about. And as Johnny mentioned before, it's we do a lot of work in our audiences and look into the types of readers that are reading those publications and the content that we're producing is very relevant to them, uh, but also answering a lot of those questions. So it's, it's kind of making sure that every piece of content that you push out that you have researched that publication and you know that is something that is going to benefit them as a as a publication but then also their readership and if you're doing that it kind of creates that bond and that relationship and kind of makes it a bit easier you know if you're providing what they need to then ask for those backlinks um another way that can still sometimes be a little bit tough so 
what we do at, at MediaWorks is we have a, a kind of a, a layered content approach. So the content that we're producing, we'll create a big data set um, and store that on a website, so on a client's website, and that'll be the full data set with the ability to filter it. Um, it'll be all kind of styled up nicely. And then what we do is we then outreach hooks from that content that we've created. So the publication can, you know, put the kind of main story in, pull out the hooks, or we can pull out the hooks for them that will be interesting for their readership. But in order for their readership to get more information and be able to dig deeper into it, it's already stored in a different area on another website. So it creates that natural link back from the publication onto that website because they're clicking through to see more information on the stuff that they're already interested in. Um, so that's a great way around doing it. Um, as Paul mentioned before, it's around providing, you know, editors with information that either they easily can't get or it's in a format that is easily digestible by their readership. So, you know, a lot of the data we pull might be data that is already out there. But if we're combining different data sources and putting it in an easy format for them, then, you know, they're using it. But we've done the work, therefore earning that link back because we've done quite a bit of the legwork for them. Um, and then what we found as well, once you have provided something that is useful and beneficial to them, that you almost become a kind of a partner with them. So they might look at the data set and say, oh, it'd be really useful. Say if we've pulled something on the, you know, the men's Premier League, they might say, oh, actually, if you got this on the women's Premier League, and that's an, another win for us. And again, because, you know, we've got a bit more of a negotiation stand there. So we can say, look, yes, we can pull this data for you. But from this data, we're going to require a link back into the client's website. And it's just kind of building those relationships and, you know, providing people with what they want based on the research that we've done up front in our client's audiences. Cool, cool. So so the, the, the key is to make your... The content that you're, the link, that the, the destination of the link is going to be valuable. It's going to be authentic to the story and to, to you as a brand and then making it easy to consume as well. And then you're going to, you know, there's then no reason why a journalist wouldn't link to it. And from a Google point of view, it's looking natural because it is natural. Yeah, yeah, it looks 100% natural. Nobody's going to get penalised for it because it is, it's talk, you know, the, the article's talking about what is on the site. So it's linking through, it's, it's kind of all relevant with it. And then we then kind of from an SEO perspective, then build interlinks within the website to link into the sections that, that we want to increase authority into. So it's kind of that, that full approach that Google sees more as natural than, you know, just keyword stuffing like you used to be able to do and, and write an article yeah. and randomly put... I don't know, cars in it somewhere and, and link back through. You, you physically can't do that anymore. You know, it's, it, it's yeah, just a, yeah. it's a lot more in-depth now. I'd, I'd love to see the um, BBC policy on what they give backlinks to or not. <laughs> seem a little bit random. I think it but, depends on the time well, of day, doesn't it? <laughs> So, um, which, well, kind of brings us on to our, our next question. So I guess, you know, it, we'd, we'd all love the thought of our content appearing on the BBC or on the, or on the Mail Online, um, but it, it doesn't always happen. We can't always make it happen. Does it, and, you know, why not, Christian? Uh, um, yeah, thanks for that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, in, I guess in a polite sense, kind of because, because life goes on a little bit and, and Johnny... Johnny sort of hinted at this earlier, and we, we discussed this earlier on in the week as well, about kind of looking at trying to find a bit of a, that sort of recipe of, of what makes a great story. And, and each time you, you can go back to something and, and kind of talk about, you know, timing and content and, and relevance and, and all of these things that are all very, very valid. But 
Um, with with all of that sort of understanding and insight and expertise in, in the world, it's it, it's still impossible to sort of predict what goes on on the news agenda. You know, anything can happen, and it's um, you know we we were all set to to sort of release a story um, uh, for for the weekend, and then um, you know the awful instance with with the MP David Amos kind of happened, and, and you just know that kind of now is now. You know, it's not the right time to to, to look at what we were looking at, and so. Um, those things are, are always going to happen, and, it, and it's that's that's a, a tough thing to, to sort of come up against. And at, at times as well, you, you sort of you know I've spent sort of many many years um, sort of on both sides of the fence, and and sometimes trying to to sort of look at kind of what succeeded and what didn't, and, and applying those same rules uh, are, are really really difficult. And so you know we talked about all the, the the elements of the recipe and all the formula that you can try your very very best. Um, but but sometimes it's it, it's hard, you know, um, and and I, I guess one thing as well to think about is is to not almost get too hung up. I know we're talking about sort of um, generating sort of interest and and getting eyeballs from from some of the you know the, the biggest sites in the world. But I think as we we sort of hinted at, there's un, underneath that layer, um, you know, the, some of that work that, that Nikki and Johnny have talked about on kind of identifying sort of personas. It's really really important. Um, that there there is another layer of, of of kind of news and media out there that that could equally be important and really really influential to your, to, to your market and so it, it's almost like don't don't lose hope if if you know the, the BBC or the, or the Mail Online aren't aren't kind of repeatedly um, kind of covering your stories because if you know if if you are doing stuff in other areas you, we talked about it before you've got that ability to to um, you know track stuff it's. You know, we, we we get this question all the time, and I know you get it sort of down um, in Leeds as well, Paul. Like, you know, can you make this go viral? Um, it, it's one of those kind of really tricky questions, and it's just really hard. It's you, you apply everything you can to to try and obviously you know create success for for, for a story or a campaign, um, and then you know someone posts a picture of an egg and it gets a million retweets, and you, you, you just kind of left scratching your head. So. You know, I, I don't think anyone in their right mind would, would kind of go, okay, let's get eyeballs by posting a picture of a boiled egg. So um, it, it's it's tricky. I, I think we've talked about all the things that give you that best chance and, and kind of that is the best you can do. And I think we'll, we'll sort of talk a bit later about kind of, you know, some of the backup plans a little bit as well. I think yeah, from yeah. A, sorry, just from an SEO perspective on that as well, it's, um, you know, we kind of mentioned it before, but it's about getting that natural link profile. And a lot of the time that, that doesn't really look natural if you work in um, kind of with some more niche businesses within there. And, you know, what could be completely natural for them and where all their readership is could be on a, you know, much smaller, much lower DA. But if it's the right and bang in their target audience, then they're going to get more benefit from that, you know, from an SEO point of view, as well as probably from a PR point of view. So, again, it's all around making sure you've got your audience sorted and you are kind of putting um the content that you want people to read in front of the people that you want to read it. Because in in reality, sorry, Paul, in reality, you could be putting one of these stories on the BBC and get 7.5 million readers. But realistically, if you're clients within the mechanical engineering sector and you're getting on mechanical engineering weekly, um, it's the percentage of audience that are actually interested in the story is sometimes the more important thing. Um, and I think, uh, I, I presume you just kind of read the, the question in the chat there about, you know, the approach for... Um, less mainstream or more niche B2B audience markets. Well, it, it, yeah, it's, it is the same approach. Um, it's just different audiences, different titles, different scale, thinking about content um, differently maybe. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, you know, and and what makes I, I think it's very interesting what makes the news agenda. Um, uh, I don't know whether you saw that story yesterday about someone who had got a, a, a traffic ticket for driving in a bus lane because they had a personalised number plate that was KNI nine three D or something like that. And what had come back was a picture of, a, of of someone who was walking a bus lane that had a T-shirt on that said Knitter, like K-N-I-T-T-E-R, and the traffic cam had read it as this guy's personalised number plate. But that made the BBC News yesterday. That wasn't PR. <laughs> I don't know how they found that. That's a news story popping up off social media, presumably somewhere. But it, it can be quite unpredictable, and I think that, that is worth worth remembering when you when you're up against the big news titles. It is what is going on in the news agenda that day. Um, but you know, it's it's always a mixture of pre-planning and then being able to be agile. So, and I guess the, the final thing that, that I just wanted to cover today, because we've talked a lot about digital PR and we've talked about online titles and that kind of thing. Um, um, and we've talked about SEO, which kind of feels like, it, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit different than normal PR. What, so what, what is the difference nowadays, um, guys, between PR and digital PR? Does it even matter anymore? I think, um, I think obviously from, from my perspective, coming from, from an SEO angle, I think, you know, SEO has evolved so much over the last 10 years that, you know, SEO, people used to be able to get away with buying multiple links from sites, keyword stuffing, um, and that's just not possible anymore. And I think, you know, SEOs almost had to move into the realms of, of the PR region and and kind of use their techniques and use their tactics to think of, of kind of new and of ways to come up and get those backlinks in place again it's you know as Christy mentioned it's kind of looking at the news and, and doing the, the different things and I think the difference between the two is is that SEO is trying to get that link in place to drive kind of deeper links into the website and get those category links and category focus in there um, but it's incredibly important from our side and something that we do is the teams work incredibly closely together to make sure that they're capturing all of the opportunity available. Um, so you're kind of coming in from different PR perspectives, but then the SEO site set up in the way that, you know, those um, links and those uh, mentions can drive their way through the website to kind of pass that authority and traffic and order the thing. So I think an answer to your question, <laughs> they work <laughs> <laughs> they work incredibly closely together and, and, and kind of they're both just as important as each other. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I sort of tend to agree, really. Coming, having come up from, from the other side of the fence, and, and sorry at this point, everyone, if you thought me and Nikki were just about to have a massive fight, um, we, we, we kind of, you know, I've, I've identified as, as being a, a sort of a traditional PR person, um, kind of considering what, what those traditional PR things were and, and kind of, some of those moments that grab attention, Paul, it might well have been, I think, maybe the, the UK Knitting Association stunted that one up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm lying. Um, but, it, you know, th those sort of stunts, those events that create those sort of talk about brand moments, I think people maybe have that perception of, of what sort of the more traditional PR thing is. But that now has got, um, you know, that, that, that creation of something in a, in a physical environment now has massive digital impact um, and, and drive kind of, you know, huge digital cut through um, to, 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 to do that. And, you, you know, you see some of the, you know, the best brands in the world now kind of utilizing that, that sort of physical space opportunity. I think there's things like um, Marmite, for instance, who, uh, you know, it's a very, very clever thing with their chili brand that they launched or a very kind of nondescript sort of uh, piece of outdoor advertising. <laughs> Um, and, and created kind of huge, um, 
huge digital reaction um, just off the back of, of what they did in a physical environment. And so for me, yeah, Nikki's right. It's like, look, you know, I, I think there's there's probably no need to try and draw that distinction between sort of, um, you know, traditional PR and, and digital PR. We use tactics that are really, really important for, for SEO. It's, you know, there's, again, coming back to sort of thinking about your market, to, just sort of giving you, um, you know, one one example um, of what has, has often I've been 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 a bit of a, a sort of a PR consideration is, you know, can you attach celebrity or, or some sort of ambassador to, um, to to what you're doing because certain news titles will will obsess over celebrity, so um, that that then gives you that better chance of of, of kind of generating success. Um, we had a, a, an example for a client; they were they're actually a device that helps with pain relief, and they had Will Bailey. Um, Who's a Paralympic uh, table tennis player? He was, he was a gold medalist at the time, just pre uh, pre the Olympics. Um, well, he, he actually signed for, for for this organization right at the start of the year, and they wanted to do some big stuff around um, him being an ambassador. Um, but our, our recommendation was that we should hang on and wait until actually the you know the Paralympics came up and became a subject that the media were interested in. Um, and, and so, kind of the, the announcement that he was an ambassador was kind of neither here nor there. What we did was was kind of run an interview with with Will um, as an ambassador of of, of Cure. Um and 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 we ran that just ahead a couple of weeks before um, the, the Paralympics, and you know it sort of made some 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 fairly bold statements about kind of whether or not he was going to even go because we were sort of mid pandemic and things, and and that got massive massive reach. So. Um, there, there are, um, you know, still a, a ton of those, um, I guess, traditional PR tactics that are now driving um, successful digital uh, uh, digital campaigns. I think just to just to kind of add on to that, um, obviously, was it two weeks ago? Um, we'd seen the crash of Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp. I think it was all of Zuckerberg's platforms. Um, and, <laughs> well, effect, effectively the world for anyone of, for anyone of my age. <laughs> but yeah, I think the like the big concern there was it highlighted a massive over-reliance on those social channels, um, but kind of also highlighted the fact that when those social channels went down, where did everyone turn for their news? They turned to the, like our traditional media titles. They were on the BBC, they were on the Daily Mail, they were looking at all those sites um, to try and find out what had happened. And I think that's, it kind of shows a real importance of why we need to be applying like um, a multi-channel approach. So obviously using this PESO model, the paid, the earned, the shared and the owned, and you can't just be relying on your social channels. There's a lot of businesses that I think it was you that mentioned, Christian. There was a lot of businesses that were actually um, completely unable to operate because all of their um, all of their capital came from being um, being active on social channels. But I think yeah, like having that multi-channel approach for your communication strategy, for your SEO, for whether it's your traditional PR, your digital PR, like it just shows that you do need to be active on all of those channels, um, and you still need to be operating in the traditional sense as well. Yeah, true. That, um, that, that peso model is, is something that we, we sort of, um, you know, we, we apply a lot, certainly within the agency and, and kind of why, um, you know, sort of the three of us have, have kind of got content and, and SEO and PR titles. Um, we, we, you know, genuinely, we sort of work really, really closely together on, on de- developing now kind of campaigns that are, are far more all-encompassing and it's really hard to um, or becoming increasingly harder to, to sort of just silo them because I think that the, the kind of the way that the kind of digital marketing has evolved um, means that it's it is hard, like you say, Johnny, to just sort of look at kind of one channel and, and, and expect that to be the 
the solution for everything, really. Yeah, great. Okay, well, believe it or not, we're out of time. So I guess just to kind of summarise the, the kind of key points that we that we kind of covered. Um, so, yeah, those news audiences and platforms are growing. The distribution of news content across platforms is growing. You know, it's not going anywhere and it's just getting bigger and bigger. Um, I think, you know, Johnny's points around how to how to think about planning, being timely, being data led, being trend led, um, you know, as a way of, you know, how are you going, how are you going to appeal to a, a journalist and get in there? I think Nikki's point about, you know, making the content that you're going to link to, make it valuable, authentic, easy to consume, you know, do do the journalist job for them. But, you know, think a little bit like Google. What do, will, it, will this look natural? Um, you, you know, and, uh, yeah, if you make it valuable, authentic, and easy to consume, it will be. Um, Christine's point about the world happens and it may get in the way of your plans. Um, you know, sometimes... You know, it means that you have to cut, cancel everything like uh, like Christian had to this weekend. But other times, it can be an opportunity that presents itself, and being agile is is crucial. And I think that you know the kind of final point about you know SEOs evolved, PRs evolved, socials evolved. You know, you you just have to kind of get your head around having a, a kind of embracing a kind of blended version. Think multi-channel, think around your peso model, but, um, you know, embrace it all. Um, it, it's very hard to kind of stick in silos in a world that, you know, consumers aren't sticking in silos, you know, so, you know, we need to evolve with that. So I hope, um, people have enjoyed that session today um we'll be in touch um afterwards um just to see if any of you any of the the attendees today would like us to do a kind of mini digital pr audit for you um just give you an insight into how we think and what we might think of some opportunities that you that might present itself to to you or your organization um uh yes yeah, so we'll, we'll be in touch and apart from that just thanks to the guys today that was great Thank you, Paul. And um, we'll see you again this time next week for another fun-packed digital masterclass. Have a good day. Hey, 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 hey,